This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Coming up on the show today, talking about the extremes. Why we keep on listening to people on the extremes when the people on the middle are the ones we should listen to and how we can get around that. Talking about the Panama Papers and what that means for the truth and how it will always come out. And then speaking about an NBA team and what we can learn about being great in our lives from how they became great in theirs. This is all coming up right now. Delving into current events. To uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Great to be with you again. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we've got so much to talk about. I mean, there's so much going on in the world. I mean, do you feel that way? Do you feel like there's just so much happening? And like everything in life, there's so many lessons to learn from. That's what we're going to sort of delve into today on the show couple of stories happening in the world, what happened this week, and a little bit of what we can learn from it so that we can walk away from the week sort of seeing the lessons behind the curtains. And I think that's really the goal of what we do here. For those that are joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. For those that are coming back, we appreciate your repeat listenership. Of course, you can always email me at charlie at charlieharari.com. Let me know what you want to talk about. If there's something out there that you see or that you think or that you want to hear more about, please, please, please let me, please let me, let me know, and I'd be honored to talk about it or thank you money. Got a lot to talk about today. Let's jump right in, and I want to talk a little bit about the world in which we live in right now and the ills that it brings for us that we don't get sort of caught up in it. Now, what do I mean? We're seeing, and you know, let's begin a little bit with the presidential uh, comp. I, I, you know, I call it a competition. That's really what it feels like, right? It feels more like March Madness than what would be an otherwise presidential election. But the idea, and doesn't it feel like March Madness? Like you know, what I'm saying the guys who you're picking for early on get upset. Like Jeb Bush gets upset in the first round. You know, Marco Rubio, who's like a strong three or four seed. Gets upset in the Sweet 16, right? Donald Trump, who's like a 14 seed, it's the Cinderella story going through. Bernie Sanders is like a 50 seed, even though there's no 50 seeds, but he is one. He goes, right? And, and like each each round that you're getting, each primary is like another set. And then like, you know, people cheering and screaming and no one knows which up. And it's, it's almost become like sports a little bit where you stop thinking, you start finding the teams um, that you like. And you, and you start rooting for them. Not really sure why, but you do. You know, and that's I think that's the whole beauty of March Madness. You know, this week was the week that uh, you saw the Final Four and you saw the championship game with Villanova hitting that incredible shot to beat North Carolina. And if you're a March Madness fan, right, what ends up happening is you jump into March Madness. You don't really follow any of the college teams, like unless you you went to Villanova. You're not following Villanova on like on ESPN at like 12 o'clock at night. Right, but you sort of buy into the teams you like, Gonzaga and Wisconsin, all these teams that I like, right? And then you follow them through. You buy into something and then you follow it through the whole way. And even though beforehand, you know, you didn't know these guys, as soon as you start to buy into something, it becomes a lot harder if you not to go for them later on. And that's sort of how presidential elections work, right? You buy into a candidate early on, and then you start to close down your mind as it continues on, and you start to 
read the news that sort of supports the opinion that you made really early on. So if you caught something from Sanders or you didn't like Clinton or you did like Clinton or you heard a Donald Trump thing or you, you hated Trump, loved Trump, Ted Cruz, whatever it is along the way, as soon as you decide that you're going to back a candidate, then you just stick with that candidate, especially if he's not in your home in your home state. Right, so if you're watching on the screen, if you're watching on the computer, if you're getting the alerts, if you're following the the, the, the campaign trail, you're just going to siphon off all the news that's against your candidate. And as time goes on, you're just going to find the one that you are have always bought into. And that's really how most presidential elections work. Um, you have lots of people going one way, lots of people going the other way, and then it's like that middle of I'm not really so sure that you have to fight on. But the supporters are going to be your supporters to the end, unless you do something really terrible. And you were seeing with the world of Donald Trump, it doesn't even matter if you do that. But there's a reason why a guy like Trump and a guy like Sanders will succeed in today's environment. And this is something that, you know, we have to sort of pay attention to. And I want to spend just a few minutes on the show. We've got a lot to talk about today, a lot of lessons in life, a lot coming out this week. But it really, I think, does pay to spend a little bit of time just going through why a candidate like Trump and Sanders would make it in 2016 when that candidate, I don't think, would make the same, the same impact 8, 10, 20 years ago. Right. Even 2008, when Barack Obama came out of nowhere and like sort of promised change to the world and everybody bought it hook, line and sinker, he wasn't spewing hate. At least he had it, but he wasn't spewing it. Right. If you gone to some of the elections, even if you go back to Gore, Al Gore and George Bush or, you know, the 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 elect McCain, if you look at some of these elections, you're not seeing a whole lot of extremism carrying the day. You're seeing hope, you're seeing party loyalty, you're seeing principled loyalty. I'm not saying everybody is a great candidate, but you're not seeing a whole lot of really, really sort of bombastic dogmatic language that's coming out of the candidate's mouth. And then the crowds erupting as they get more extreme and extreme. And if you can really look at the two campaigns that have really sort of thrown the world by storm, it's Trump and Sanders. And both of these campaigns share one common value. They are out of bounds, right? They are bucking the trend. They are acting extreme. Donald Trump is as extreme as a candidate has ever been Maybe in the past 50 years, I would say for sure in the past 50 years, he will get up there and say the most extreme things about other people, about uh, other parts of our country, and he will have very little that will back it up. His plan on the wall is literally, I mean, I'm only, the only thing that makes me, the only thing that I think that the silver lining in the Donald Trump campaign between me and you is all these like, you know, these like, pseudo-intellectual political science professors. Some of them are really good, and if you're one of them, God bless you. But there's lots of them that, like, think they should all be, like, you know, running something, and they're just, like, totally thrown as they are trying to figure out what to do and teach Donald Trump in their poli classes, right? Donald Trump's 
campaign platform is building a wall to Mexico. And he revealed, I think it was, you know, it was this week, it was a couple days ago, he revealed how he was going to do it. And his plan for revealing, <laughs> for paying for the wall, is that he's going to block or tax all these individuals that come in from Mexico and are sending money back to their family members across the border. And that's where he's going to get his money from if Mexico doesn't pay for it. And you think to yourself, really? Really? The, the the maid who is, you know, making, you know, 20 bucks an hour or less, sorry, $10 an hour cleaning someone's home, trying to send that money back to her mom, that, that you're going to, you're going to, how are you going to, you're going to walk around and start to, uh, it's hard enough to get people to actually pay their taxes. You're going to get people to track the Western Union file. I mean, really? The cash businesses of the guys that are fixing homes or doing whatever they're doing, you're going to just track that? Well, that, that's, if you sort of think that through, you're like, really? I don't know if that's going to work. But it doesn't really matter. Right? Go to one of his rallies. It doesn't really matter. We're going to, they're going to pay for the wall. And the place goes crazy, and then he moves on to the next point. Probably something around, something about lying Ted Cruz. That's the next thing that they love. And he gets away with it. And the reason why he gets away with it is because he is extreme. Cross the aisle. Bernie Sanders. Free everything for everybody. Bernie Sanders is like the best grandfather. It, it, isn't he? He's like the great, he's like grandpa. You come into the house, and grandpa's like, come here, come here, come here, come here for a second. Listen, come here. Here's a Fifty dollars, and come here. I'm going to bring all your grandkids. Bring all your come on. Bring me all my grandkids. And he's handing out dollar bills to everybody. And he goes, eh, just spend it. And no one realizes that Grandpa's got an account because his daughter has got a shared account filling it for him. But Grandpa gets to hand out twenties or tens, whatever, at Christmas or whatever it is. Yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa doesn't have a job. Grandpa's getting the money from his kids, but he gets to hand out the tens and the twenties to the kids, right? Grandpa Bernie has no idea how he's paying for free college tuition. Oh, it's the banks. Break up the banks. Uh-huh. Let the rich people pay. Really? Which rich people? The ones that are smart enough to know how to take their money out? Who's 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 going to pay? What kind of businesses are we going to form when if you make a certain amount of money, you got to give it all back to the government so you get all these kids going to college for free? Come on. But it's extreme. He gets up there and he starts talking about breaking up the banks and the millionaires and the billionaires and it gets more and more extreme and as crowds start to grow and grow and grow why is that why is it that the positions of reasonableness which are the positions that are most likely to succeed nobody cares about right if you think about it you want to pick the most reasonable candidate possible because if you pick someone who's reasonable and shares your values, the likelihood of these programs and platforms and agenda items to get passed into law is high. If you, if you pick someone who's extreme and he's out of the normal way of thinking, the likelihood of anything that he is, getting, he is, he is spewing getting actually moved into law is low. So why in the world would somebody want to pick someone extreme if there's a lower likelihood of that position ever happening? And I think it has to do with the world that we're living in. We are living in the greatest revolution in the past 50 years, 100 years. It is the information revolution. We're living at a time where, since the printing press, 
there has never been an explosion of information. We are getting information at, at rates that are exponentially faster than ever before by a multiple of hundreds. Because when you have the internet and you have a situation where anybody can share anything at any moment in time, which is where we are now for the first time ever and only in the past five, ten years, everybody's a reporter, everybody has an opinion, everybody's a commentator. There is so even the established environments treat themselves well I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but treat themselves as non establishment type news sources, tweeting and pushing things out and texting and alerting, cutting. So you are literally at a place where every every moment you are being bombarded with information. And the bombardment with information does something to you. It makes everything sound the same. Right? That's what noise is. Right? If you are listening to noise, if let's say there is music that you don't like and your neighbor is playing it. Let's assume, for example, you don't like hip-hop. Right? If your neighbor is playing hip-hop, the fact that it's you know, Jay-Z versus LL Cool J, if they thought they or Eminem or P. Diddy, whatever the different artist is. It doesn't matter because it's all just noise. When there's so much coming at you and you're not familiar with it, it just becomes noise. You can't distinguish it anymore. And all of it sounds exactly the same. When you're being hit with information and information every day, every day, story, 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 stories, information, tweets, alerts, just constant barrage of information. After a while, everything sort of sounds the same. Can you tell the difference between this policy, that policy? What's happening on the hill? What's happening in your state? Who knows? Who cares? We can't figure. There's so much coming at us every moment, all the time. There's so much happening that it, it feels like it never ends. And so everything just, it, it's almost like it's become like white noise. It's coming at us so quickly. We're getting the tweets and the Facebook, the, it's just moving so quick every day, everything. You're watching the news. The news sounds like the news sounded like yesterday, unless something huge happens. Everyone sort of sounds the same. You watch, if you watch like a Sunday morning show or a commentator show, they all just sound the same, sound the same, sound the same. And when you're living in a world where there's so much information coming at you, the reasonable position gets lost. The reasonable position starts to lose its ability to stand out. And as a result, you can't hear it anymore. You can't hear it. It's like, it's like, it's just noise. And so then what do you hear? You hear extreme. It's got to stand out. You hear the extreme only. And when you hear only the extreme, you start to look at the extreme as the news source. If you're hearing the same thing again and again and again, and you can't make sense of it, and someone comes out and says something that is so bold, that is so out there, it 
you turn and you pay attention to it. Now, remember what I said earlier about picking your team early and then stopping to look to see if they're the right team or not? As human beings, we do that all the time. We pick something and then we just go with it. We invest in, you know, try doing this. Sit down if you're a sports fan and just literally, literally sit down and just watch a game and pick the team that you want to go for. You will find after 10, 15 minutes, you get excited about that team. Why? You just randomly picked it. Because as soon as you invest in something, our minds stay invested in that thing. Even if it's illogical. Science shows this time and again. You make an investment in something, you believe in something, you follow a team. It doesn't matter if they're the right team, the wrong team. It doesn't matter if the coach should win or shouldn't win. As soon as you invest in something, you're you are, you're, you're, it's like, it's like you have to prove yourself right. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have to show that your, your decision was correct. So you will illogically follow that the whole way through. So here's what's happening. And I want you to see it because I want you to fight against it. We're living in a world of white noise. Reasonable, reasonable positions do not get press. Ted Cruz, now he is, did not get a lot of press. Marco Rubio, until he started making fun of Donald Trump's hands, did not get a lot of press. Jeb Bush did not get a lot of press. Mike Huckabee got zero press. Zero press. Carly Fiorina, they all got no press. You know why? Because they weren't bombastic. They weren't bold. They didn't say things that are shocking. Donald Trump said, well, the Muslims shouldn't come in, and that was it. Donald Trump said, we're building a wall, and that was it. Donald Trump went after people personally, called Carly ugly, called Ted Lyon. Called, and that was it. That was it. Ben Carson. You ever watch a debate with Ben Carson? He's got a lot of things to say. No one cares. No one cares. He's not fighting. He's not yelling. Anyone you, you ever listen to John Kasich? Reasonable guy. No one's paying attention to him. You know why? Because he can't step out. He's not extreme. He's not fighting. In fact, sometimes the greatest moments in the base that you see a million times are the moments of fights. That's what you look for after a while. That's why people stop watching the Republican debates. Because after a while, everyone just stopped fighting. The extreme positions tend to win because you hear them, you hear them, you hear them again and again and again and again and again. And then you buy on to something because they stood out from the crowd and as soon as your brain bought onto it, it doesn't have the logical capacity to have to take it to the end. And that's the campaigns of Sanders and Trump. They have capitalized on a world of where we are so bombarded with information that we are dying for somebody to stand out. And as soon as someone stood out, people jumped on them, got behind them. And then stop thinking about how it all plays out. Don't worry about actually whether this can be possible or not. We just, we like our guy. We're sticking with our guy. So what does it mean for us? So it means two things. One, got to be careful for how we make choices. We got to be careful, even if we've made a choice, to be always be open to thinking about what that means later on. Because we are probably doing that right now. We're probably making decisions that were old decisions that we just keep on making again and again. 
careers that are not good for us, but we've made it when we were little, so we're stuck in it. Decisions about how to live our life that's, that's detrimental for us, that, that we feel like we're caught in the rut. Decisions about who to support or back. Maybe even religious decisions that we've made in life that we realize that there's more to it, but we're just scared to delve further in. Everything in life comes down to that. It's whether or not we are going to allow that initial decision to ride to the end, or are we going to rethink it as we get older and more information and we get smarter? Are we able to pivot, to turn, to change, to say, I'm sorry? Are we going to allow the extreme positions to get our attention? Or are we going to search for reasonableness? Are we going to allow ourselves to see within all that noise what is somebody's reasonable position in a fight, maybe with our family or friends? What is a reasonable position in our politics, in our faith? And if we live a life not listening to the extremes, and if we live our life always checking our decisions, we end up becoming the most reasonable person in the room. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Panama Papers, what that means for the world, what that means for us. This is all coming up on The Charlie Harari Show. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is real estate agents. I You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to The Charlie Harari Show. You know, when I was a kid, I'll never forget, I was talking to my grandfather, and he once said to me something so interesting. I, I was a really big troublemaker as a kid growing up. I, I was, oh my gosh. You know, in fact, I became a lawyer. Um, you know, that was, that was my first job out of, I mean, that was my, that was my profession for many, many years. Uh, mostly because I was convinced that I either was going to be representing the guys in jail or being the guy in jail. I mean, like, that's how I even started down that path. I was in the principal's office so much in my um, be, my elementary, junior, and high school years that at some point, all I got, all I really was good at was trying to argue my way out of problems. And then they said, well, maybe you could be a lawyer again into my head. And that was sort of my, my path. And, but I remember one time I got into a lot of trouble. I had cut school and... My mom was looking for me. They had looked. They had sent the police. It was a really big deal. Um, that's what happens when your mom calls for you, and 
they say back, oh, he never came to school today. He's homesick. And your mom's like, well, no, I don't think so. He's not in my house. It was like one of those Ferris Bueller moments, but I actually got busted. So my grandpa looks at me and says to me, Charlie, let me tell you something. In life, the truth always comes out. Make sure you do things in life. But when you do them, do, it, do what you want. But when you do things, understand that the truth is going to come out. I remember as a little kid thinking to myself, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, you you hide it nicely. No one's is gonna know, and you'll just you know you get away with stuff. That's what you do when you're a high school or you know elementary school kid. But if there's one thing that we learned this week from one of the biggest stories this week was the story of the Panama Papers, right? What was going on here? Well, basically, in Panama, Panama was is one of these places where you can actually create these offshore vehicles in which you could literally hide money. That's what these places, these tax shelters, where you can create these companies, move money, and you can put them under all these corporate names and nobody can actually catch them or find them. And so what had happened was hundreds of world leaders that were a little bit or very much shady that were able to create partnerships with colleagues and funnel money to them were able to go down to Panama and get a these companies set up that would house the money and protect it from the public from their home country. And literally hundreds and hundreds of celebrities, of politicians, of world leaders were funneling, if you will, money through into through the, these, this Panama law firm so that it would be held in offshore accounts. And, I mean, it, it's, it's the perfect scenario. You create an offshore account, nobody can ever find it. You get to funnel money out of your your country. You get to pay all your cronies. You get to steal from people. And nobody can find it in your country. And then after you leave power or whatever it is, no one's paying attention, you can sort of cash in. And since the laws of Panama sort of, sort of do not require you to disclose anything, unless the actual people give permission, which would never happen... It was the perfect scheme. And the list of people involved read like a who's who in the world leadership, right? British Prime Minister David Cameron is included, though he says it was his dad's account. Russian President Vladimir Putin and all of his cronies were a part of that. Chinese President Xi Jinping was part of that and his cronies. Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko was part of it. And maybe the most uh, obvious is Iceland Prime Minister Sigmundur Dio, I can't even pronounce this, Gunlashion. I don't know if that's even right or not. If, if you speak Icelandian, I apologize if I offended you. Well, basically, they came out that you know him and his wife uh, held nearly $4 million in bonds through certain banks that was all being funneled through there. And it actually caused him to resign. Not to mention former prime ministers and celebrities and all these soccer players and, you know, power players and all these people just funneling, funneling, protecting and funneling and funneling money. And, you know, you see see a story like this and basically what happened was it was a leak. Somebody just took all the docs and dumped it onto an online site and the game changed. Literally. I mean, like overnight. It, 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 can you just like this happened quickly? I, I just want to like slow it down so that we sort of like take this in for a second. Like literally overnight, what was once 
the safest, most discreet place to hide money. Which is why world leaders all, if we can agree on one thing, it's amazing. Just follow the green. World leaders can't get together to agree, to agree on anything. They agree on one thing, how to steal money. The world leaders had used this one law firm in Panama. And overnight, literally overnight, what was once the most safe and secure place to funnel cash, more secure than your own country that you're running, more secure than anything in the world, is now become a open season for every single journalist in the world. These papers have been gone through by hundreds of journalists. They're, they've been turned into thousands of lists. And if your name is on that list, you're going to get busted. Amazing, right? This happened a few months ago when that, uh, I don't remember what it was called. Maybe you remember. There was like a, 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 um, a cheating, you know, like um, an adultery website. I forgot the name of it, right? There was like this adultery website that people that wanted to be discreet about cheating on their spouse would sign up for. Something like Ashley Madison. Was that what it is? Ashley Madison. And you had all these people that are signing up and it's like super discreet. And then one hack, boom, overnight, overnight. There were real people that got knocked out. People of faith, men, people of the clergy, family members, guys, women coming on. Kids are looking at the lists. It's unbelievable. It's so discreet. Such a perfect idea. Blown up. And I think the lesson, at least that I take from it, and I hope that you take it as well, is that if you live your life, at least personally for me, I'm not going to project it on anyone who's listening, but personally for me, if you live with faith, and there's somebody, there's something bigger watching, if you will, you've always got this thought, right? If you believe that there's a God in the world, and he's in the world, and he cares about you, and he's, he has a relationship with you, and you know, part of your life is answering to a higher higher power. You sort of have this a little bit where, you know, if you're alone doing something, doing the wrong thing, you know, someone, if you, if you can even think that way. But let's assume that's not even the case. Let's not take it that far. If you live your life knowing that the truth will come out eventually, it, it will eventually. Whatever you're doing, the truth will come out. You live with a very different standard. We live in a world today where every single day, more and more of the truth comes out. We're living in a world today. I mean, it's unbelievable. I saw the other day a news program with a former mistress of Bill Clinton telling over stories of Bill Clinton sneaking into her home when he was the governor of Arkansas. Like, today, get a camera, you run to the lady's house, and you put it up online, and then you got, whether it's true or not, you got some lady going in very specific detail to her liaison, her connection, her illicit affair, with a president that has not been in office for more than a decade. Because the truth 
will come out. It may take 10 years. It may take 20 years. But at some point, information will find its way to the source. And when you live this way, there's a little bit of fear. To be straight, there's a little bit of that fear, right? There's a little bit of that, oh my gosh, what's going to be? I did all these things wrong in my life, and now people are going to know about it. But that's good fear. It's good fear because it, it allows us to recalibrate and think and reassess how I live my life. It allows us to decide, you know, maybe today I don't care about my reputation, but will I care in 20 years from now? Maybe when I got kids or grandkids or maybe when I get on my feet or I become a bigger member of the community, whatever it is. What will happen if my actions today get revealed tomorrow? Will I be proud of that? And when you allow yourself to think about yourself in the future and you allow yourself to think about what would happen if this was exposed... You force yourself to live with a certain standard that is above the fray. It's not easy, but it's amazing. It's hard, but greatness is hard, right? If you if you believe the truth will come out, that means the truth about the good and the truth about the bad will come out. That means that although right now in my life, I may not be that important to anybody, or I may be messing up and doing things wrong in 20 years or in 30 years from now, I may have a totally different set of circumstances. I may be at a position where my actions today would really, really embarrass me. Or what I do today would, if it, if it did come out, oh my gosh, you may be in a place right now making a decision, thinking myself, thinking to yourself, if you, if anybody knew about this, my life would be over. We're living in a time where the likelihood of them knowing about it is higher than it ever was. Nobody, and I mean nobody, nobody thought that some no-name law firm in Panama, a law firm that the two of us never heard of, that is so well-respected and so good at their job that they have managed to cull the business from every major world leader, nobody would have ever predicted that one day out of the blue someone would have seen what was going on and dumped it on a data site and that's it that that never that that's a zero percent chance of happening nobody flew to panama or had a lawyer flew fly to them and said here here's your offshore tax you know sort of corporations you could set up and funnel money and do this and they said well what if everybody finds out they gotta be like (laughs) we're, we're in panama are you joking me? We're not in like you know. We're not sitting in L.A. We don't have TMZ down the block. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not based in the Empire State Building. We're not in Washington D.C. We're not in China. We're not in the U.K. We're in Panama. All we got down here is a canal. No one's checking out a law firm in Panama. Who thought? Who knew that there were lawyers in Panama? And everyone's like, "All right, you're probably right. Sorry." And here you go. It's unbelievable. Here you have it. Out of nowhere, boom. Boom. The whole world changes. The whole world's upside down. The whole world is 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 now 
just going through the accounts, the business transactions of the people that had the most discreet financial history, people that were spending millions protecting themselves, people that were at the highest levels of government. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the guys who, in a moment of weakness who signed up for Ashley Madison would be seeing their names on a list published by it, by, in front of every single person in America? Who would have thought that fathers, husbands, clergy, teachers, who would have thought that teenage kids would be looking at their dad's name on a site set up to cheat on their mom or their mom's name on a site set up to cheat on their dad? Who would have thought that that's how they would be remembered? Nobody. Nobody. I remember there was a, in New York years ago, there was like the sting operation where they had lured all these men into this prostitution ring. And they had all these guys all throughout New York and they lured them in. It was a huge move. They lured them in. They pretended to be online prostitutes. They lured them in with pictures and they created a, a place of rendezvous, a very nice hotel that it wouldn't, you could see, you know, think to be shady. And one by one, these guys walked in, they busted them, they cuffed them, they took their pictures, and they posted it on the cover of the paper the next day. And I remember reading the bios of some of these guys. Who would have known? Coaches, teachers, principals, husbands, men of the community. Yesterday, were, were, were given honor and respect. Yesterday, were mentors. Yesterday, were business leaders. And overnight, overnight, Cuffed, mugshot, cover the paper. And NYB did it on purpose. They wanted to embarrass these guys to prove, a, make a point that if you're a John, all right, if you're out there looking for it, you're going to get caught. And when you get caught, we're going to embarrass you. So it's going to ruin your life. Don't do it. And by the way, it worked. I think it worked. Because when you live your life, the truth will come out. You live at a different standard. You live at a different level. And if there's one thing that this week teaches us, the Panama Papers, is if each of these guys would have just realized that at some point nothing is safe, maybe they would have done things a little bit better. And I can guarantee you, the guy, the, the Iceland Prime Minister, is to every single person right now that cares about their reputation, I'm sure there's tons of guys that could care less, they're kicking themselves for not taking the right road, the high road. And I think that's what life's all about. It's hard sometimes to do the right thing. It's hard sometimes to, to, to push back temptation. But when you do, you live with a certain peace. You know, I got a friend of mine um, who did some really terrible things financially. And he, you know, took money some, for some people and said he was going to invest in certain type of assets and he did it. It was a huge thing. And he has since, you know, sort of tried to make amends and he's trying to get over this, but he had told me that at the height of his success, people were giving him money and he really wasn't investing it properly. Um, and, it, and, and it all started with like one, you know, one, one decision that led to another decision, another decision. That's how these things always work. And he said to me, he said to me once, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, I may have a lot of stuff on the outside, 
but I never, I've never had one night of sleep. Never. Big house, nice car, lot of honor, lot of, lot, a lot of honor. You know, awards throughout his whole dining room. You know, all the wonderful, you know, thing, you know, organizations he donates to. And when it push comes to shove, and the lights go down, and he closes his eyes, he can't sleep because he knows he is one phone call away from it all crumbling. He's one knock on the door. He's one visit to the office. And the minute he decided to change everything, which he did, he started giving back the money, he came clean to some of his investors, and he's moved into a smaller home. He has downgraded his life. He said to me that the only thing that he's gotten back from all this is his life. Because when the truth, ha- when the truth comes out, when you're doing the wrong thing, even if the truth hasn't come out yet, you know it could. And it sits on you and it grates on you. But the minute, the minute you go and do what you think is right, the minute that happens, that peace returns. And if you live life without that level of peace, you haven't lived life. When we come back, we're going to talk about another incredible story this week. A base basketball team that is about to make history. And in doing so, change the entire nation of entire nature of the sport. Whether you're a fan or not, you're gonna to want to hear this story. But more importantly, you want to hear about this character, someone who I've spoken to a little bit of thing about in the past. But I saw a quote this week that has changed the way I'm gonna see how to become great in the world. It's all gonna come when you all coming up when we come back. You're listening to the Charlie Hirari show, and this is the Blaze Radio Network. It's not just about the facts, it's about perspective. This is the Charlie Harari show. With Charlie Harari. Don't miss Pat and Stu. To use your car, you had to spend at least five dollars. I just want a pack of gum. I don't want to spend five. All right, give me a tire. All right, a I gotta tell you, Pat. I used to make fun of you carrying that tire around, but then I went into the store and wanted right. a pack of gum. I thought, oh, that's why I carried the tire around. I'll take a tire too. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Delve into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the show. Talking a little bit about what's happening in the week. We spoke a little bit earlier in the show about... Um, you know, being able to not get to fall into the extreme position, which is, I think, what's the underlying uh, connection between Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. I spoke last segment about uh, what what it means to live a life where the truth would ultimately come out. Uh, it's a standard that I think is incredibly difficult, but one that can really free your soul. And I want to talk a little bit more about today. Uh, this this next segment, I want to speak a little bit. Let's shift gears a drop. And talk a little bit about success. And how does it work? I've had the opportunity really to speak to a lot of successful people. I've got a a podcast called Unlocking Greatness. If you want to search for that on iTunes, you'll see a whole bunch of interviews that I've done with people. Um, Because it's my hobby is to figure out what are the secrets of greatness that other people have. Because I don't think greatness is something that is something you're born with. I think greatness is something that we each, every one of us has inside us, and really, it's only going to depend on how each of us would bring is going to bring it out. So, what is greatness? I want to talk a little bit about 
Another great story this week, which is the story of a basketball team, the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Golden State Warriors are at pace to tie the record for the most games won in the season. It was a record set by the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was at his peak. And the Golden State Warriors is led by a guy named Stephon Curry, who is, at this point, hands down, I think, the best player in the NBA. And what makes Stephon Curry, so if you don't know who I'm talking about, just Google him, YouTube him, whether or not you're a fan or not, just seeing his story is so inspiring. Here's a guy, you know, most players, when you talk about the best players, you talk about people that have been given a certain advantage in life. LeBron James was born a truck, right? You know, Kevin Durant was born a truck. Kobe Bryant was given certain gifts that other people just weren't given. And so when you look at most athletes, there's a lot of that like, you know, blessed by God to have certain talents no one else has. Every once in a while, you get an athlete that sort of comes through the ranks and he really wasn't given anything special. He really wasn't. And all he was given was raw talent and he through sheer will and and determination, sort of crafted and chiseled that talent. Steph Curry is that guy. And he's about to make history. Steph Curry was, when he was young and he was, you know, playing high school basketball, he was considered to be too short to have any real NBA career. His dad was a player, Dale Curry. He was a good player. He was okay. And his son, Steph, loved basketball, but he was really too small. And he was so small that no one ever, no real Division I basketball team would even look at him. So as he was going through high school, he had, he's a cute short kid with a sh- nice shot. He, he gets drafted by this school called Davidson, this no-name school at a Division I. And he gets there, and even in his beginning of his, uh, his tenure, Davidson isn't really considered to be anyone with real prospects. He was so short that when he was younger, he used to shoot from his chest, which is a no-no for any level of uh, real competitive play, because if you shoot from your chest, it's easy to block. And one summer, his father said to him, Steph, if you want any chance of making it in the NBA or in the college, you can't shoot from your chest. He goes, but dad, that's how I always shoot. He goes, you can't. He goes, but I don't have the strength to shoot from my above my chest. He goes, well, either develop the strength and change your shot. Or give it up. And he spent one full summer of his life. It's all he did. Woke up in the morning, went to bed at night for a summer, and just shot shots. And he gets to college, and he creates this incredible work ethic that slowly, slowly starts to build him into this great shooter. And the tournament comes, and he has this incredible tournament. People start looking and going, who is this guy? And over the next few years, he gets drafted, he goes to Golden State. He, his work ethic and his ability to hit three-point shots start to slowly take notice and people start paying attention. Now, the Golden State Warriors was bought by a venture capitalist who decided that he was going to look at the basketball team the way he would look at a company and see where his strong spots were. And he decided that Steph Curry was changing the game 
used to be basketball was, you know, you try to get the easiest shot possible. So you'd, you'd try to shoot as close as you can to the hoop. And the three-pointer would be sort of like for the few guys on the team that actually can hit this. They changed the whole game around. And they tried to make the, pr- the, the preferred shot a three-pointer to play around Steph. And so the years go on. And you've got this team now that has redefined the game from being a two-point game with three-pointers to being a three-point game with two-pointers, whereas the primary shots will be three-pointers, and the primary shooter will be Steph Curry. And they're about to break history. It's the first team to have these many wins since Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And when I, I look at the story, what really gets me was the interview that I saw done with Steph Curry. When they asked him, what's in your head when the ball comes your way and you got to hit a big shot to win a game? What are you thinking about when the pressure is on and there's nowhere to turn? And he, he answered in such a simple way. He said, I think, I hope I make the shot. He goes, but I want to tell you, he says, that every shot I take in a game, especially with one on the line, is a shot that I've taken in practice, usually that day, 300 times. 300 times every day, he is picking his shots, going to a spot, and shooting it. Why? Because he understands the secret to success. Success is not based on luck. Success isn't even based on trying hard. Success is based on muscle memory. What do I mean? When you have the right habits, you're me- you start to develop muscle memory. Right? Your muscles, your habits, your emotions start to get it. Right? Think about brushing your teeth. How hard do you work brushing your teeth? Not hard at all. I'm sure when you were five, it was really hard. I know I'm raising a five-year-old right now. It's really hard for him to remember to brush his teeth. So he had to use a lot of energy and attention and brain power to get his teeth brushed. But what we do as parents is we create a habit. Brush your teeth. It's a great habit. It's before and after your day. The bathroom is usually right near your bedroom. It has something that's very minty. And all this, every day, he's brushing his teeth, 5, 6, 7, 10, 11, 12. He's 15, he's 16 years old. He should have enough muscle memory in his mind brushing your teeth that it takes no energy. He goes right into it. Now imagine if you shot jump shots as disciplined as you brushed your teeth. Imagine if you had five shots on the court And you took 300 shots a day from those five shots every day, no days off. And he said actually in the interview that on the off days, on the off months when they're not in season, it's 500 shots. First year, second year, third year, fourth year. Ten years later, what do you think happens when you get to that shot in the middle of a game? You're in the middle of a game. And you're at your spot that you've shot that week 1,500 times. What do you think is going to happen? It's muscle memory. You're not relying on hope. You're not relying on effort. You're not relying on a miracle. You're not relying on luck. 
your muscles, your brain knows exactly what to do. It operates at a speed quicker than even your conscious ability, and it goes right into this automatic and knows exactly what has to happen next. Muscle memory. If you want to be successful in life, you got to heed this call. You got to listen to Steph Curry. You got to ask yourself, what do you want to be great at? He wanted to be great at basketball. What do you want to be great at? What's the habits that people that are great at what you want to be great at do? What are the skills they need? Once you get down the skills you need to be great and the habits that great people do, then what you got to do is have a discipline to do it every single day. No days off. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Because if you do it every day, you know what's going to end up happening over time? Muscle memory. You're going to get to a place where you are so good at that thing that it's going to be automatic. You'll be quicker than everybody else. You'll use so much less brain power to get the same result, which will save you all that brain power to figure out a new way to do things. Muscle memory. But here's the trick. You got to make sure you're doing the skill that's going to take you where you want to be. We got all of us got muscle memory, right? We know how to watch the right shows and root for the right teams and eat the wrong foods and say the wrong words. We all have got our muscle memory that's give, keeping us mediocre. But what do great people do? What's their habits? What's their traits? You want to be the best shooter in the league? Then you got to make sure that every day you're out there shooting 15, 1600 shots. That's muscle memory for the right skill. You want to be the greatest doctor, you want to be the greatest teacher, you want to be the greatest dad, you want to be the greatest, uh, you want to have the, the healthiest, you want to be connected to God. Well, what do those people do every single day, day in and day out, that we can adopt and take on so that over the course of time, it's, I don't have to wait. It's a discipline every day. I do it every day. If you get a sense of what you want, and have the discipline to practice the right skills, then when the game is on the line in your world, it'll be muscle memory that takes you over the finish line. And that's how success works. That's it. You see it all the time. You see these you know, these lawyers that are just focused on their one in- industry and they're focused and they're focused. And all of a sudden the world changes and that industry comes into vogue and they're the ones, in- they're the ones doing it. You see these teachers going at it, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the toughest students come around, and they make people's lives different because of it. In every field, and every subject, and every matter, you'll find great people that became great, not because they tried hard, not because they got lucky, because they worked at their craft every day, and the, the situation shifted a little bit, and they were in a position to be successful, and because they had worked on their craft for years, it showed muscle memory. So the question I leave you this show with is as follows. What do you want to be great at? What's going to be your habit that builds your muscle memory? Remember, don't get caught up in the extreme. Stay reasonable. Think deeper. Remember that truth will always come out, live above the fray. And most importantly, remember, 
that when you pick what you want to be great at, find the things that you can do every day to become the person that you're meant to be. Because life ain't meant to be good or great. Life's meant to be awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Always be in touch. You can check me out at Charlie Harari on Twitter, Facebook, or you can email me charlie at charlieharari.com. Love to hear your thoughts, what you think of the show, what you wanted me to speak about in the future. And looking forward to speaking to you next week. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.